about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshukba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. I want to talk about generational transmitted trauma in men. I know today is Father's Day, but I want to address the men because it's men that become fathers. I miss somebody upstairs who didn't say an amen to that. It's men that becomes father. And I know that we're celebrating Father's Day and we've done that. But today is not a teaching, it's a prayer. It's a prayer session. I want to pray for all the fathers and all the men in the house. Boys to men, men to fathers, uh, husbands on husbands to fathers. We've got to start to pray and declare this upon their lives. So in the book of Daniel chapter 10, my time, we need to get good with time. Uh, um, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12 to 13. He says, then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. 21 days. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince. He didn't know what happened. He just left him there. Gabriel had to leave him there and say, you need to fight this battle because I am on an assignment. He says, he left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 to 13. You can see it's the same 12 to 13. There is an emphasis on this. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents. For our struggle, for our struggle, for our what? Is what? Not against what? Flesh and blood contending only with the physical opponents, but, shout this with me, but against the, against the, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, men, Put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully what? Resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. That means evil days will come. He says, and having done everything that the crisis demands, so crisis will come. He says, to stand what? Firm. In your place, fully prepared, immovable, and victorious. The use of the word trauma has become so much part of every day's vocabulary that it has lost some of its meaning. 
I will be using it today to describe an event or series of events that have life-challenging effects on those involved and have created a principality in their lineage. Many people don't seem to understand that as you can pass down a positive legacy of Christ, finances, and wealth, so you can also pass down a legacy of woes, poverty, trauma, and generational causes or demonic influences. All this is through the legacy of the Father supplying the seed of essence because every seed will produce after its own kind. Uh, uh, many people don't know why things are happening because they are void of the background story of that nation or that family. The, the, the notion that we inherit the legacy of our ancestors, not just their wealth and facial features, but their good looks and hard knocks is hardly new. The idea that we carry a family curse and shoulder the burdens of the past has been part of history, but it has been unnoticed and unchallenged. Even survivors of history can just get over it. Most of them are trapped by the centrifugal forces of century. And recently I was watching a Netflix um, series called When You See Us. When They See Us. Yeah. Some people say, what? That's the reason why you shouldn't be watching No Nonsense. You should watch real words. Netflix. When they when they see us. That thing, I cried my eyes out. The only problem with that was that when I finished, I thought I'd finished. And so my twin brother calls me two days ago. He says, did you watch the thing? I said, yes. I said, I cried. He says, did you see Oprah there? I said, Oprah? What? Which one? The one in the Bible? He says, no, Winfrey. I said, she wasn't there. I said, she was bad. She said, no. He said, you have a... Ah, that's how it goes. Ah, you haven't watched anything yet. He says, go down. I said, wait, 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 wait. So I went on to a borrowed Netflix. <laughs> and I scrolled through it. And then I went, I said, yeah, after that, it's one minute, one minute. He says, keep going. And then I saw one minute, one hour, some few minutes. I pressed that thing. And they brought out the actors and I thought they had finished. But when they brought out the real life Central Five, is that what they call them? Yeah. Central Park Five. We shouldn't be calling them that, but that's what they, you know. And they brought these life, these guys out. I'm not going to spoil it for you because some of you are saying, ah, Pastor, 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 Pastor. You should have watched it before Pastor spoke. <laughs> there were five of them. And up till today, two of them are not really ever the same. One guy said, I cannot forgive my father who really died in his presence with cancer. He says, I can't forgive him. He now cried. This man is massive. We'll put Adam and I together and still we are not as big as he is. And he's got six children. And he still says, I still 
I'm traumatized. And he said, I just need help. This is years. How many years now? Probably more than 15, 20 years that the thing has happened. And then they gave them some money and all that. And they said, it's not the money. The money can't buy what we went through. The other guy that at the age of 16 or 17 went into an adult, Rikers, Rikers prison. You don't know it, but Adam will know it. Not because he's been there, but because he's an American. <laughs> he kind of, it's a really bad prison and he went through that and he was still on change. He's the only one that wasn't married. And you could see through his demeanor that, man, this guy has been through stuff. These are the guys that are giving birth to children. And we don't really know that maybe someone seems to have gone over it, but the remnants of those things are still speaking in their generation. And many of us don't understand this. So so today I'm talking to the women that need to know how to pray for the men. Because many of you do not understand where the man is coming from, his lineage, his ethnicity, the nation where he's coming from, and you are fighting him in the physical without realizing that there is a principality above him. Listen to me. Maybe you didn't get this. There is a legacy of territorial principalities. I know we don't say this often in church, so many of you are like, what is he saying? Is he gone gone loopy? No loopy. I'm right in the great in the loop. Listen, <laughs> there, there no, nothing's loopy about me today. But you need to understand that there's a legacy, according to the Bible, of territorial principalities and rulers over every continent, nation, ethnicity, and area. When you read the Bible in Daniel chapter ten, you will see that the Bible, Daniel chapter ten, verse one, he spoke about Cyrus king of Persia. But when you walk further down in chapter, in in verse 12, he spoke about the prince of the kingdom of Persia. So while Cyrus thought he was ruling, he didn't understand that the word kingdom is different from a nation. The word kingdom is having rulership and dominion over an area. So you could be king over an area, but what, is de- what determines the movement of the area is the principality over that kingdom. And you can be at home, and you can be married, and you can be fighting the man without realizing that what is ruling your home is not what you see in the physical, but what is in the spiritual and here you are eating jollof rice and chicken and, fry, and fried rice without knowing that the issues you're having is not in the food you're eating, but in the thing that is eating up your family. You've got to really start to understand this. Because although Cyrus thought he was ruling, and Cyrus, having said that, was a good king because he helped the children of Israel. But what was, the, what was causing the issue was the principality. Now let me go deeper here. Remember that Daniel was able to interpret a dream that they didn't even tell him. When the king says, interpret this dream, he says, what is the dream? He says, I'm not going to tell you. You tell me the dream and interpret it. Mm -hmm. 
Can you see that? He was a prophet. Have you ever asked yourself, why is it that Daniel didn't know that for 21 days there was a battle going on on his behalf? He could interpret a dream that they didn't tell him, but he was oblivious to the fact that after he had finished praying, there was a blockage for 21 days. 21 days that an angel even couldn't battle through. He had to go back to heaven, get reinforcements of, of, of Micah, the archangel, and still didn't know the outcome of the battle, but left him there and went to speak to Daniel. And here you are playing around, thinking I'm in Britain. And everything's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's not all right. <laughs> there, are, there, there are territorial principalities that even before we entered into this building for one year straight, Fridays, I gathered men one year straight before we even entered into this building. And we were dealing with principalities of disobedience around this area. One year, Friday. In fact, there was, some of you can remember that there was some Fridays we would meet even here where water was still going around and, and, and there was no windows and, and we were praying straight because they told us this area is, 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 is a rundown. There are two gangs leading in this area and they will run us out. Before we came here, they arrested 20 of those gangs and they're still in prison. And this has been here for over 11 years. They just did something out of work and bam. Because we couldn't address it by going to give them leaflets. You have to dress it in the spiritual realm. Binding principalities and powers of darkness and rulers of wickedness. And I'm going to need some women here to help me pray for some men this afternoon. Because there are territorial principalities. Get on to the program. Because there was a film I watched. Kevin Spacey was there. Sorry I mentioned his name for some of you who may now have a, an issue with it. But it was Kevin Spacey who was there. And he was saying, it was, I can't remember the name of the film. And what he said was, you know what? He smiled. He was like, he was... The unusual suspect. So he will walk like this as if nothing's happening. And then as soon as he's done his evil, his legs will go straight and then he will walk into his Mercedes Benz. And he said one thing that stuck with me. He says, the devil always wants to disguise as if he does not exist. And that's why many of us think he doesn't exist, although we're praying. There are principalities. Now listen to me. Because, so for, for, for clarity's sake, now, 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 before you throw me on your Instagram and start to castrate me, let me finish. Let me finish, because as I said this, I can see some phones go out right now. Let me finish and record everything. Because I will mention some examples of territorial principalities and legacies that it's left behind in male seeds. You want to marry? Listen. If you're married, what? Listen. If you're about to divorce, what? Listen. Because there are territorial principalities and legacies that are left behind in the male seat and they're in Africa, they're in Asia, they're in Europe, 
He said, in the Caribbeans. Let me give you some examples so you will know what you're getting into and what to pray about. In Nigeria, I have to start from Nigeria because that's where my wife comes from. So, I have to start from Nigeria. I know my parents come from Nigeria, but they did not take my permission to take me back to his fatherland. And so I went off, or I was away in exile for a while until freedom came. So I had to start from my wife's uh, 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 hometown. In the men from Nigeria, and if you are, and if you have married a Nigerian man, you need to understand that the principalities they're dealing with in there is what I call misogyny and infidelity. Mm, I like this service. The normal African male is polygamous. I do not know many, I do not know many, I do not know many Africans, especially Nigerians, who do not have half brothers and sisters. The principality of infidelity which came from the acceptance of a polygamous family and has even introduced in this modern day cheating and unsatisfaction in marriage have accumulated into divorce and multiple uncared children. My grandfather had two wives living in the same place. My dad... I won't make any comment yet until he passes away. Then I have the authority to make comments because if I say anything right now, I may get a slap. So I will leave that later on and we'll visit it. But right now, from what I feel I know, <laughs> let's leave that. But my grandfather had two wives. My, from my dad and from my grandmother and my grandfather in my dad's side, children's side, they had six or seven children. And then there's a, the other wife, which came afterwards. She also gave birth to six children. Huh? Kids. Kids, children. Eight. Is it eight? <laughs> she knows more history about my family than I do. There's some things that are forgettable. Okay, so there are eight. Out of the eight, listen, out of the eight, my dad is still taking care of nearly six of them, but three of them grew up in our house. Sponsored, taken to school. The burden and weight of that responsibility fell upon my dad. And that's a good family. Because 90% of the time, it does not happen like that. Ask my wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she also came from a polygamous family, which is right. And they, they, when you come from a polygamous family in Nigeria, it is a lot of principalities, deadly hexes and spells, and all that kind of stuff that goes around. And so, if you ever decide to marry a Nigerian man, the first principality you've got to pray about is infidelity. Because polygamous was something that was even acceptable in those days. It shows how much wealthy you are. And we didn't realize that what looked normal became a principality. Jesus. Jesus. Uh -huh. 
Before some of you sit. Cool. Let me go to the Caribbeans. Hey. Are you getting on because I mentioned your nation? <laughs> let me go. Let, let me touch the Caribbeans for a while. What is the issue? What's the generational trauma in the male species of the Caribbeans? It's what I call abduction of responsibility. In the Caribbean family, separation appears as a repeated motif. And this has an impact on the development of relationships. 60% of children are born to single-headed households, which is an early indication of future family poverty. Don't throw stones at me, because according to UNICEF, not me, According to UNICEF, 2000 situation assessment and analysis of Jamaican children and their family, about 45% of all Jamaican households are female-headed. Female-headed households are larger than the national average and larger than those headed by males. Am I right? <laughs> because men are absent Men had a difficult time having roles and status in their family. Early pregnancies amongst adolescents are also cause for concern as often as these young parents are unprepared for the responsibility of parenting. So there was something that went on on the, on the, on the men's uh, WhatsApp one time. When one guy came on there, he was from the Caribbean descent and he was saying he went to a party. I think there were 12 women there. And with probably an average of, he said, three, three, four, four kids each. And there was only one man that attended that party. The rest of them, the fathers are nowhere to be found. He says that one man was him. And even he had six children, five of which he's not in contact with. And he was crying. He was says, I'm up in my attic and I'm saying to you that right now they just called me. That my eldest son has been in intensive care, starved for more than one week, and he was, didn't know. And so, if you trace the origin back, you will find out that most of these Caribbean men, they will take them into the, into the cornfields, into the sugarcane fields, into the kind of stuff, make them walk there. In the, in the days of slavery, make them walk there, and all they're responsible for to do is to be productive for their masters. Hence, when they come home, they find the woman, you understand, impregnate the woman, and may not see the woman until after a year, two years. So there is no emotional connection, there's no affinity. But little did we know that what looked like a natural thing had a principality behind it, and still, we're battling that in our generation. So you need to ask your question. How many Caribbean families are married and they're building up children together. It is a plague. It is something that we're praying against. It's a legacy that we will stop in the name of Jesus. So when you decide I'm going to marry a Caribbean man, fantastic. But you need to know what you're praying about. Let me go further on. South Africa. Anyone from South Africa here? Okay, you're quiet. Don't worry. In South Africa... You're dealing with mortality and suicide. We're going to pray for these men today. South Africa allegedly has the eighth highest suicide rate in the world. That itself is contested right now. 
But it was put out that it has the eighth highest suicide rate in the world with 450 men taking their lives every single month. And four, four out of every five deaths being the result of suicide. South Africa, in South Africa, men have a life expectancy that is seven years shorter than the women. Hence, the men suffer a high risk of depression and anxiety. So, when you are marrying a South African man, you need to start to pull down strongholds of suicide. When you're marrying a Nigerian man, you have to pull down strongholds of infidelity. Trying to check his phone is not going to work for you. <laughs> Trying to check his WhatsApp is you're fighting in the physical because he himself looks like a robot that it is programmed that he will go like his father went. And you're shouting and screaming and checking his phone. What you should be doing is checking into heaven. So that heaven, before 21 days last, will give you your answer. Let's talk about Asia. Now, this Asia came from Matthew. <laughs> Sunish. It came from Sunish. It came from him. And he told me on Wednesday <laughs> that the problem and the principality and territorial demons that we need to do in Asia is what is called patriarchal domination and women subordination. While I'm saying this thing, negative patriarchy can be the prime obstacles to women's advancement and development. Because in their, in their lineage, they feel that men is superior, women are inferior. Therefore, he, the man is born to rule and she is born to be ruled. In this system, Different kinds of violence may be used to control and subjugate the woman. Such violence by men can, may be even considered legitimate. And women are always routinely experienced by male's violence. The home and the children are suppressive. Hence, there is no emotional tie. And then the mother is the one that supplies the emotional aspect of life. And many of the men, you find them abusive and alcoholic. And you know the thing about them that masks that issue is that the men are very productive and entrepreneurial. And because they provide for the house and they're productive, you will find out that they mask what actually goes on at home. Successful outside, emotionally bankrupt inside. So when you want to marry... From that area, you've got to understand that you and your spouse need to get into serious prayer before you're holding your hands and eating chewing gum. <laughs> oh, you see, I'm multicultural. I'm going out with this. It's cool. But, <laughs> but also know the battle. Am I right, Matthew? Cool. I thought you should preach that aspect, but I... I decided to give you that aspect of. Let's go to my Ghanaians. How many Ghanaians have I got in the house? Uh, they're quiet. Raise your hands. There's so many. 
Because we spoke about the Nigerians. Hmm, hmm, yes, Ghanaians. Let us go. While in the Asian society, there is patriarchal domination. In the Ghanaian society, there is matriarchal domination. Don't be quiet. Because I verified this from my homies who are my Ghanaian counterparts. Who on Wednesday, three of them verified this. Listen to me. Matriarchal domination brings men's subjugation. The Akan people are quite a majority in Ghana. Akan, spelled, said right, isn't it? Oi! Where are you going? What's your, what's your name? What's your name? He comes, he's got, yeah. They are the Akan people are majority in Ghana where they predominantly reside. The Akan social organization is fundamentally built around the matrial clan. All the matrial clan founders are female. These inherited roles, however, are passed down matrilineally, meaning it comes through a man's mother and sisters and their children. So often, the man is expected to not only support his own family, but those of his female relatives. The men work. This is the thing that you find out. The men hard working, but work up to a certain age. Sometimes, statistically, it's known as 45, 50. And then they stop working. For some reason, they either say they're going into business or something like that, they stop work, working. They sit at home and then the women are the ones that take over the control and the financial providence for the home. Many of you can look into your lineage and see some of the men, some of the fathers, they're just laid back. And the women now assume the financial uh, role and have to, uh, and they don't realize that this is a demonic attack on leadership and productivity. You can even find out that, and I've seen this, when there is an interracial marriage, unconsciously the woman who comes from, from the Ghanaian society has this matrical domination, witty, intelligent, fast-moving, blam, but marries an exact opposite and then wants to assert authority. But no fault to either one because sometimes we don't realize that it is a generational trauma, that there is a prince over the kingdom of that nation that is producing that kind of character. Don't be quiet. There's also some place like that in Tibet. It's called the Mosuo. M-O-S-U-O. The lineage is traced through the female side of the family. And property is passed down along the matrial line. They have what is called working marriage. Here, there's no institution of marriage. Rather, the woman chooses their partner by literally walking into a home. You, me. Have children, done. And when they have children, the children, since they remain in the mother's care, 
sometimes the father plays little role in, upb- in upbringing. In some cases, even the father's identity is not known. But when you subvert, advert, distort, or destroy a spiritual principle God put in place, you are creating a monster. Because your feminism can jump from here up to heaven. One thing is never going to change. The Bible made it clear that in God's hierarchy, he says the man shall be the head of the woman. If you're not ready for that, don't marry. Because what God wants to do is not by subjugating the woman. No, no, you just say, ah, the man is in charge. You men, you should see what I'm talking about and you better start praying. But what you're supposed to understand is that God wants to bless the world through an order. Not that the man is more intelligent. And when we start to twist that role, we're twisting a role we did not instigate. You are trying to tell the manufacturer that he doesn't know what he's doing, but when problems come, you now want to go back to the manufacturer you ignored in the beginning. Let's talk about Rwanda. Let's quickly go through. Rwanda. Rwanda is, is kind of gender-based violence. It is still a widespread problem in Rwanda with women remaining the primary people affected. Hence, creating a culture of silence and abuse. With 48% of women aged 15 to 19 having experienced physical or sexual violence in their lifetime. Genocide. The question you need to ask yourself is what exactly happened between the Tutsis and the Hits? Hutus? When they traced it, no one can really say exactly. The, the genesis, not the one that we all read, but the genesis of it must have started between two people. An argument that was orchestrated in the spiritual realm to be able to wipe out millions of people how does someone have that much hatred that you want to wipe out an entire clan and you say it is physical, it's spiritual? But what has happened is that the male fought battles, raping women, have no regard for women, and then they get married and you're wondering why they have no emotional attachment. And you're not praying. Let me go to Uganda. Uganda seems to have an unusual epidemic of disease, and this being suppression. And fight consistently. Just a consistent, consistent, consistent sickness. You marry such person, you just don't know why is he always sick. Because every seed comes through the mail. I've got my time's fast bench. Let me speak about Congo. Congo. Six million souls are buried in Congo due to war. Six million. But unlike what happens in Rwanda... The opposite happens in Congo. The rape of men is common. Research conducted by the Journal of the American Medical Association in 2010 cites that 23.6% of men in the eastern region of the country have been exposed to sexual violence. A cross-sectional population study found that one in four men, one in four men living in the eastern region of the country has been a victim of sexual violence. The prevalence of rape of men in the country is likely underreported due to the extreme stigma attached to the sexual abuse of males. 
men who admit to being raped risk ostracism by their community and criminal prosecution. So you marry somebody who comes from the Congo and you wonder why intimacy becomes a difficult thing. You never know, maybe he's been traumatized by what he has experienced, where he's coming from. Either directly done to him, either observed, or what has been done to his family or his father that has been transmitted down to him spiritually, and then you're wondering why is things not working out. And you think that it is your, uh, your weave and your attached eyelashes and your different kinds of nails that can keep him down. You will not know why he has a proclivity to somebody that looks like him. Even though he's married to you. And you start to fight it in the physical realm. I said this in the first service. Before Adam sits cool, let's talk about America. And let's talk about England. We British. If you marry a British man or an American man, and this, this is not a full study, you will have to deal with secularism where there is a lack of consciousness of God. Hence, we transmit that lack and trust of God through our children where we show them that they don't need God. They just need to be good in baseball, basketball, football, and anything that makes them a male by their talent and not by their trust in God. And that's why Sundays, it's very amazing that Sundays is always the time when these boys have to practice football and go for games. Why? Because of the secularism and materialism that comes from it. And then you marry someone from there, you're now confused why he doesn't have this fire for God, even though you've taken him to 75 different churches. Anglican, Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, Evangelical. Uh, uh, and then you thought, okay, maybe because he's just this, let's go to Hillsongs. Hillsongs didn't even bring any song out of him. And you're wondering, what? Why? Because materialism and mammon has become the idol. And you don't pray about it, you'll be in trouble. So, let's conclude by this. Sorry, we're late today. What is in your ancestors? What is passed down to your generation? Because you, can be, you might be working hard, but be under a cloud of struggle because you're working under a generational legacy. Often some of our deepest problems are rooted in something we can't control. Dysfunctional family behavior patterns that actually came before you, centuries before you. Ladies and mothers, shout amen in church. You have got to pray for the male child. You've got to pray for your husband. You've got to recognize what challenges and ethical or generational issues that are ravaging them based on their origin. Don't just pray, ah, he spoke to me, and you feel goosebumps. After the goosebumps, after the emotional uh, stuff, after the infatuation, get rid of that. Because now, you've got to really get here. Eh? And pray. Before you get married, the wedding day is five hours. After five hours, nobody's gone. They, everything they've eaten goes down the toilet. Now you have a generation to deal with. 
And you don't understand that it is not the way. Nobody remembers your dress. You've got to pray. Because many boys who don't want to be like their father end up like their father. Because the weapons we deploy cannot be by willpower, but in destroying the strongholds that they operate under. So the role of prayer on Father's Day is to unpack the problem story and its cultural underpinning. Trying to wear skimpy dress won't keep him. It will produce a skimpy life. If you, if you marry him based on your skimpy dress, he will go based on a skimpier dress. So men, what are you thinking about? Men, let's begin a new legacy. The question today is, have I divested or denied my own life baggage only to carry the pain and the sorrows of my ancestors. I hope some of you that are here on Father's Day. Loathing your father. Angry about your father. Will not recognize that it is not him. It is something that has operated even before he was born. That's where your forgiveness can lie. The single most dangerous idea I learned in school is that the genes you get from your parents are passed on to your children and nothing you do in your life changes them. I studied microbiology, so I, thought, I was taught that. Thankfully. Thankfully. However, the findings of the new scientific field of epigenetics is starting to change this dangerous attitude. We do indeed pass on the exact same chromosomes from parent to child. However, the quality they are in when we receive them can be improved or diminished according to what happens to us and the choices we make during our lifetime. Let me give you this before we close. Habitual problems may go back for generations, men, in your family. But you can be the Abraham or the David of your lineage. You can be the one to make better choices and break the curse of generational dysfunction in your family. We can control our choices and each one of us can choose life and do a good thing. How do I know? Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. He is a what? New. New. Someone shout new. Up there, shout what? New. There's no need to be afraid. He's a new creature. Reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous morals and spiritual conditions have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new thing. And that's the reason, men, the central reason why God placed the male in the garden was that he could be in the presence of God at all times. The male is not wired to function out of the presence of God. Adam could only fulfill his purpose only if he was in constant communion with the God of the garden. So if a man is not living in the presence of God, he might be moving, but he's really not functioning. You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. 
For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939 You can find us at the Citadel, Worship Tabernacle, 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ, Archway, London Thank you for listening.